Greetings, everyone. I'm pleased to tell you that here to join us today is Jean Gustav Strandenas from Norway and Isis Alvarez from Colombia. Jean Gustav is a historian who has a long standing experience in environmental governance and sustainable development and has been a close collaborator to the United Nations Environment Program, UNEP, on stakeholder engagement issues, among others. Isis Alvarez is a biologist who has been working with civil society organizations on environmental advocacy at the UN level. They are both part of the Stakeholder Forum and are leading the People's Environment Narrative, PEN for short, which is an upcoming report that will be launched on October 13th at 9 a.m. New York time via webinar. You can find further details about the event at the project website at www.towardsstockholmplus50.org. So, without any further ado, let's get into some questions. So, Stockholm Plus 50 was over two months ago now, and there were a lot of recommendations and manifestos that came out of it. But what is the follow-up? I think the most important follow-up is what was said by the president of the UN Environment Assembly in March this year, and which also was actually said 50 years ago by the then Secretary General of the Stockholm Conference in 1972. They both said, what is now most important is not necessarily what has happened in the conference, but what will happen afterwards. So, which is also what you ask, what is important now? And uh, again, referring to the president of the UN Environment Assembly in March, he said, we have now again brought nature into the discussion. And I think it's extremely important to see that the environment and the nature has somehow been lost in all the technicalities. And we bring that into the discussions, the political discussions and the technical discussions. And we understand what nature is challenging us. We need to make sure that nature is again balanced and with the nature as the co-element of the environment. You want to add something easy to that? Yes, and if you allow me to complement, I think it's also key for civil society efforts to be heard. Ever since 1972, civil society has been very active and they were giving officially a voice so that, you know, like their efforts could be heard and not just by the general public, but also by decision makers. So what we're doing now with this publication, The People's Environment Narrative, is try to reflect all those efforts from what is now 50 years after the first conference on the human environment. There is a lot going on. You all know we are facing a triple planetary crisis, as it has been recognized. And uh, so many efforts many times get lost. There are so many people doing all sorts of activities, advocacy, and very important things for the environment that they deserve recognition and they deserve a place to be highlighted and to continue to build on that. So I think a little bit of the follow-up should also be to recognize the strong and important role of civil society and to continue to build on that. Instead of closing civil society spaces, what we need to do is to continue to open them and to work along with the different governments, uh, organizations, agencies, institutions, etc. And just a, a, a quick comment. I totally agree with what Isi said. And this is one of the big legacies of the United Nations Environment program, because back in 1972, civil society and all the relevant stakeholders outside of the government was allowed into the plenary for the first time in the history of even humanity. 
but in the first term of intergovernmental processes. And this created a precedent so that every subsequent international meeting actually strove to um, recognize civil society. So this is important. So with all that in mind, what are you hoping the people's environmental narrative will achieve? Well, in, in one case, we hope that, well, there are actually several ideas behind the people's environment narrative. One is to make sure that what happened at Stockholm, including the preparatory process leading up to Stockholm Plus 50 in 2022, is that this is recorded for history and recorded for posterity. We see that official reports are well taken care of because this is the governments are doing. But what civil society is contributing, which is always very important to record and to preserve, it's very often forgotten. So one purpose of the people's environment narrative is to try to highlight the input and contribution of civil society. That's very, very important. The other one that we hope to to achieve is to infuse a bit of positive approach, an optimistic approach to the world. We want to show that people are engaged in trying to save the environment and save governance and save democracy and contribute to the democratic development of environmental policies. Hugely important. And the activities that went into the process leading up to Stockholm and at Stockholm 50 itself shows that people are engaged and concerned. So I would say those are the two things. One, preserving and contributing to show what civil society did contribute to in turning the tides and and making a positive contribution to saving the environment and improving it. And two, making sure that the optimistic approach and the belief in intergovernmental and multilateral processes are still alive. I would like to add. So, you know, at the moment, there are lots of discussions also on Agenda 2030 about sustainable development, and they have this principle of leaving no one behind. Many of the things that were discussed back in 72 are still today issues of discussion. They are not yet being solved. They haven't been solved, such as intergenerational equity, for example, or the calls for ecocide. So also that what the PEN tries to do is also not to leave those debates behind, that we don't have to wait another 50 years for things to be picked up, such, such as the issue of, of ecocide, you know. I think it's important to have that precedent and to continue to build on and not go backwards, but continue to advance, especially in a matter like, like is, you know, the environment that we all humanity depend on. With all of these considerations, how is the pen different from previous manifestos and pledges for environmental governance? I mean, how do we make sure it actually does something? All the policy decisions and conventions and uh, agreements are nothing unless they are being implemented. And uh, again, going back to the fact that civil society and uh, non-government stakeholders have been involved in this process shows that people are willing to engage in implementation. I think this is something that came out of the, all the webinars we made. We, we've had, literally speaking, thousands of people contributing to this uh, and uh, coming up with lots of recommendations for, for implementation. But civil society needs to be involved. They're willing. 
We're willing to go the extra mile. We're willing to commit to changing uh, the the poor policies that have undermined um, the sustainability of the environment. But we see now that governments are squeezing out civil society from processes, including the implementation, the activities. And, you know, we know that unless government are included in policy and own policies, they will make sure nothing is happening. But on the other side, if people are not included, they will protest their own way and also make sure that nothing is implemented. So the combination is what we want to do. And I think there's a strong sense of commitment and willing to be part of the activities. Just allow civil society to be that part. I think that's important. And that's something that we want to show through these these, these pages that, uh, that we have in the pen, the People's Environment Narrative. We now have a baseline, right? What happened 50 years ago constitutes the baseline to where we look at on hindsight on, on what has happening and, and what how how the environmental movement has evolved, how environmental governance has evolved. So I think it's it's key to have that, you know, set on on paper and for people to read, to understand and to get a, an idea on how we as humanity and how institutionally have also been, you know, progressing on those matters and look, of course, and what are the gaps and when what still needs to be done in order to actually achieve what a global environmental agenda has been said to be around sustainable development, environmental protection, et cetera, et cetera. Where you see, in when you read the people's environment narrative and this uh, history of accomplishment, is that there is always the combination between the civil society people, the academics, the, the non-state stakeholders, and the governments. The combination here is forceful, and it gets things done. Sometimes very slowly, but it gets things done. So it's a different world today than 50 years ago. But as Easy says, we are not there yet. Good. I'm glad to hear that it's such a well-developed effort that's combining all these areas. It'll hopefully bring everything to fruition. So thank you, Jean-Gustave and Isis, for joining us today and for all the wonderful information. I want to remind everyone who's listening that they can see the upcoming report that will be launched on October 13th at 9 a.m. New York time via webinar. And they can also find further details about the project event at the project website at www.towardsstockholmplus50.org. So do you guys have any final thoughts on which you would like to end this interview? I'd like to say one thing. In March this year, um, the United Nations Environment Programme uh, and the UN Environment Assembly ended their what's known as UNIA 5. And uh, there were three very important decisions made. One was to develop a um, binding resolution and uh, furthermore, hopefully, uh, a legally binding convention on ending all plastic pollution. That's very, very optimistic. It's taken time to get this into the uh, intergovernmental decision process. And the process has been kept alive largely with uh, and by civil society. I think the push from civil society here has been incredibly important. And the other two things is that the UN Environment Assembly also established this year to develop a an intergovernmental scientific panel on the chemical pollution that uh, exposes us, that we are exposed to every year. 
And the final thing was a resolution to bring nature into the discussion and development of sustainable development. I think these three decisions are very, very optimistic. They're very positive and they bode for a better future. And I think this needs to be understood and remembered by everyone listening and reading the pen, the people environment narrative. Be an optimist, be an activist and engage. Thank you, Jan Gustav. Uh, we look forward to see you all on the webinar on October 13th so that you can hear about the details of this publication we've been working on for a while already. And that's it for me. Thank you. Have a good day. You good too. Day. Bye. Okay. Bye.